That's Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley, and on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome Fangraphs lead prospect analyst Eric Long and Hagen back to the program. With actual baseball news to react to, we discuss the Padres signing of Manny Machado in relation to both San Diego's excellent farm system and their overall competitive window. We then turn our attention to the start of the college baseball season, including what Eric is watching for at this early stage in the game, some of the interesting players he saw this weekend, his process leading up to the June draft, and how folks at home might follow along. Plus, we discuss some of the quirkier differences between collegiate and pro ball and the highly suspect fan behavior that Eric observed at one Stanford game. All of that is coming up, but first, it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of one beer at Fangraphs' March 8th Scottsdale Meetup, you can support the wonderful work at Fangraphs, including the recently released Top 100 Prospects list, which somehow features 132 players, Dan Zimborski's Zips projections, and all the best analysis there is of what limited news we have. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Eric Longenhagen, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs, which begins right now. we are fresh from well not fresh today from a game but basically fresh from a game it's you it's eric long and hanging ripe ripe from a game normally ripe from a game but um <laughs> but yeah it's like been uncharacteristically cold here and so like not that ripe but uh but yes it is it has begun the process has started again yep and it's wonderful yeah but um, but it is also like this time of year here is is bonkers, and especially yeah. this year we had all sorts of new stuff happening. Yeah, we'll get into some of that new stuff in a second. I have to say we will talk more about this probably at the tail end of this episode. But I watched my first serious set of like college baseball innings this past weekend under your guidance in terms of what would be interesting, but also just like a bunch of like really bad baseball. But it was so delightful to have baseball on while I was editing again. It made me feel it made me feel away. <laughs> yeah. I felt I felt warm in my chest, even though uh, you know, the sounds of college baseball are different than the sounds of Pro Ball. The bat difference is noticeable, especially when you're used to like having baseball on as a background activity while you're doing other well, I guess baseball activities for me at this point, but it's kind of shrill. Yeah, it was. It's just like a. It doesn't have the depth of sound. You know, you don't have that like feel it in your chest thing. Even though I did feel warm in my chest because mm-hmm. there was baseball back, but it was it was a uh, it was a little disorienting. It took yeah. me a minute to get used to it. I don't like the inorganic sound of the BB uh-uh. core bats. It's not the best. No, it's not the best. No. But it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And I have to say, as a as an appreciator of, um, you know, weird-looking baseball and uh, goofs, college baseball, I've been undersold about how, how much th- this game should appeal to Meg. I feel like I was not recruited properly because uh, I was like, oh, this is terrific. Some of these players are very bad, but in ways that are quite endearing. Yep. So. Yeah, it's all sorts of weird stuff, you know, like – this time of year when, like, Lehigh is playing Duke, you know, Lehigh has to field a, a roster of guys from 
the Northeast <laughs> after you know the Northeast has been picked clean by the big programs that go up there and and get the best guys, and a lot of times that looks weird, you know. Yeah. So it's it's fun, and you know you have all these names, mm-hmm. copious amounts of weirdo like southern names for yeah. players, and yeah, it's it's definitely up your alley. Yeah, there's a, a gentleman on South Carolina's squad. I was watching the South Carolina game because our mutual friend, Michael Bauman, was hectoring me to do so. There is a gentleman who wears the like athlete specs, who plays first base for them, whose last name is Seitler. I mean, come on. That is good. That is good stuff right there. There was a scouting director behind me at a game this weekend, and I couldn't hear who he was talking to but or, or who, who who he was referring to rather but he was speaking with like one of his uh, area scouts and was like hey i heard this kid has six toes what do you think about that like there's like that <laughs> stuff like if that were happening in the big leagues we would just know about it you know like the the yeah. antonio alfonseca situation but if there's someone out there who's got six toes like i don't know who it is but yeah. there's someone Oh, I I want to know desperately. I could I could definitely get a thousand words out of a six-toed uh, baseball player. Well, we'll come we'll come back to college baseball okay. in, in a minute because I want to talk to you a lot about that. But uh, we're recording this on the day that uh, Manny Machado's free agency saga has finally come to a close. He signed a ten-year, three hundred million dollar deal with the San Diego Padres. And, uh, you know, the San Diego Padres have a very good farm system. When we released our top 100 uh, last week during Prospects Week, which is still, you know, there for the people to read, and we encourage you to all go do that, uh, they had they had eight players in the top 100 and 13 in our top 132 because we are maniacs. So, like, they're very good. They have a very good farm system, I should say. And now they have Manny Machado. And you know about their prospects, so I thought maybe we could talk about, like, how does this uh, how does this shift things around for you, Eric Longenhagen, in mm. terms of your understanding or expectation of what they are going to be able to do in the next couple of years? Does this shift their competitive window around for you? I guess it it will certainly change the shape of some things, right? Like it almost certainly means something for Fernando Tatis Jr. Whether yeah. that means that Machado will be the shortstop and a Tatis transition to third will occur sooner. Or the opposite of that, and like Machado is cool with playing third while Tatis plays short, which I, you know, if it were me, that's what the situation I would prefer. Just, you know, the younger, more agile guy at short. I think Manny has kind of outgrown shortstop and was just uh, incredible. You know, he was like Brooks Robinson at third base in Baltimore. So I'd like to see that again. I like when he uncorks those rockets on four, six, three double plays, but he is heavy footed. Yeah. And I just prefer him at third. So I think that situation, how that shakes out, uh, will be interesting to watch. And then you're right. Like this is one of the top two systems in baseball, arguably the top one with, you know, Tampa Bay has an argument, I think. And at some point, just because of the volume, they were going to have to consolidate. Like there's just not room for all these guys. And so the way we've seen teams do it in the past is, you know, you package a bunch of these guys together for for a Machado, and they don't have to do that now. I mean, they can still do that. Uh, There's still places on the roster that they could upgrade. You know, I wonder if this deal were done before the JT Realmuto trade were done, if they would have been more willing to part with a package of prospects, uh, knowing that, you know, their infield is more or less set for the next five years. Machado's deal has this five-year opt-out 
Tatis and uh, Luis Urias are under team control for the next five, six years. So some of the upper level, mid-level infielders in the system, you know, it's kind of hard to see. You could argue that they, that as prospects, they could mature yet and like yield more. Like if Gabriel Arias, Gabriel Arias and Esturi Ruiz are like these two low-level middle infield prospects who we really like. In two years, they might get you like what Glaber Torres got the Cubs, right. as opposed to right now. So like, you could argue they should hold on to some of these guys for a while while they like mature like Bonds or something like that. But you could argue that you know there's no room for these types of guys at the big leagues anymore. So like Hudson Potts is just a trade chip now, not a third base prospect for the Padres. Right. So that sort of those sort of decisions are going to be made, and then you know other than consolidation of the farm system into like big league stars. Hopefully there's just like the churn, like the 40 man churn is always a thing that we're going to have to do. We saw them start to do it this off season. Yeah. Like when they traded uh, Walker Lockett to the, to Cleveland who like desperately needs pitching depth behind their rotation. You know, they got this basically Walker Lockett's like a fifth or sixth starter type. And they traded this really interesting teenage righty Ignacio Feliz. Who's like this converted infielder. Who's, was in the AZL last year. Like that's the sort of thing that the Yankees have done. They trade this 40 man crunch, you know, 24 year old, 25 year old pitcher. Who's just sort of like the back of the rotation type. They have plenty of these guys. Let's go get someone who doesn't have to be added to the 40 man for several years. Right. You know, so we have something to show for this guy who otherwise we might DFA. I don't know. There's probably like some Nash equilibrium principles at play there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, this is the sort of stuff I expect to happen with this system anyway. And now that they've got Machado, like it just probably accelerates that stuff. You start pushing your chips in sooner now that you've got a guy like this on your roster. Yeah, I tend to think that we, I mean, it didn't end up working out. There are a number of ways in which this is actually not a great comp. <laughs> going to admit to that before I make it because the player involved was older and it didn't end up working out for the organization and they didn't have the kind of organization depth that the Padres do. But all of that said, like, I tend to think that we underrate like the the Machado signings, the Robinson Cano signings, where you're mm. like not quite there yet. But if you get any kind of upside out of the guys that you have, all of a sudden it's really convenient to have a dude who could be worth like seven wins on the roster. And then when you are able to backfill from an actually good system, it's like you look around and you're like, oh, I guess like the power balance in the NL West is about to get really different really quickly. And this was a team that was like fielding rule five draft picks like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it is. It has been a, a pretty quick I guess that maybe Padres fans would disagree with that, but yeah. but yeah, like they go from taking three Rule Five guys to signing a superstar uh, in a short span of time. And we've seen. I do think you're right about the like the Cano situation, and you could see teams probably have a better idea than we do. Like, okay, how many of these types of players do we really need to compete realistically? Like, how many right. of the Cano Machado types? do we need how can we acquire those guys and then how do we fill in with like viable big leaguers surrounding them you know even just to be competitive for postseason play and i think that your comparison is apt because what we saw with seattle was after they had cano then they did everything they had they could to like find those you know for us would be 40s 45s 50s right. guys who were big league ready right now 
even if it meant trading guys who they drafted just a few months ago or guys in the DSL. You know, they were, again, like it's a Nash equilibrium thing, I suppose. The Yankees were trying to get rid of these 40-man guys like Nick Rumbelow. Right. And the Mariners wanted them. Yep. And so, like, the Blue Jays are doing this now too, right? Like, trading for... David Paulino and Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Grichuk and all these guys that other teams have log jams that they're trying to clear, they've collected them in anticipation of this star arriving right. in Vlad Guerrero Jr. And so like it's just different ways of doing the same thing and acting the same plan, like building a sound foundation around, you know, the the cornerstone of the franchise. And so yeah, it just seems like you know, San Diego's got that in place now. Yeah. Where where do you think it fell short in Seattle? Like they just couldn't quite get there with with what specifically? Like where like yeah. the, the Hanniger deal was great too. Yeah, the Hanniger deal was great. You know, I think that they it's funny, their window lined up kind of badly with who was available in the free agent market on the pitching side. And I think that that ended up hurting them. They didn't have the development from, you know, like there was a reason that it ended up netting them Mitch Haniger, but like there was a reason Taiwan Walker was available, like mm. Paxton came on late. And then Felix's decline was so like precipitous yeah. that I think, you know, they came within a couple games of the playoffs in, the, you know, they were a game out in 2014. They were a game out in 2016. They had this collapse late last year. So, you know. Do you think, how many of those Jack Z draft picks do they have to hit on to make the playoffs in like two of those years? One? Like if DJ yeah. Peterson or Alex Jackson yeah. hits? Or I think if like it, Gohara develops quicker? Yeah, I think if Gohara develops quicker, that's the difference, which is like, and they gave him away for nothing. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah, I mean, they were. It's it's just like gonna forever be a, a sad thing that uh, Mariners fans have to grapple with because it's like they were close and they put together, you know, they put together some competitive rosters. They were good at finding some of those guys who both were, you know, prospects who were forties, but then also like guys who came in and contributed in meaningful ways. Like you know, you watched Denard Span play when when yeah. we went to games in Arizona, like that. Dude was good. He He's was good. useful, right? Like that was productive. That's a really good, you know, fourth outfielder to have in the roster. So I don't know. It just uh it just didn't ever quite come together. But now Dustin Ackley's back with the Mariners, so who knows? Maybe uh <laughs> we'll get we'll get around too. Two ships passing in the night out in Peoria right now. <laughs> Man. The Mariners are wearing powder blues for mm. spring training, so I just keep thinking that Every tweet from the Mariners is from the Rays. It's really disorienting. And then I have to grapple with the differences in those farm systems. And the part of my brain that is still a Mariners fan is made sad by it. Yeah. I'm not into those. I don't like it. I don't. I, I like the powder blues. I like the powder blues as actual throwbacks with the rest of the uniform. As they're constituted now, it just looks like they're wearing Tampa. It's weird. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. Well, congratulations, Padres fans. What a fun thing. What a fun thing to, to get to watch Manny Machado. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's great. Cool. And, you know, it's the only game in town now. So who yeah. knows what that'll be. You know, I, someone mentioned on Twitter, I don't know who it was, was like, yeah, this is they're trying to be the Spurs. They're trying to be the Blazers. And I think it's great. You know, the stadium is right downtown in the next to the Gaslamp District. And 
you know, every time I, I go to San Diego a lot for baseball stuff. Yeah. And uh, every time I, I go, there's still, you know, more Chargers stuff floating around than there is Padres stuff. Like, it's just the town is sort of a weird relationship with baseball, I think. And so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But yeah, I think it's a very exciting time to be uh, a Padres fan. Yeah, I'm glad that they were not... I'm glad that they did not let the Hosmer contract dictate the course of their franchise in this next little bit because, yeah. you know. Whatever. Whatever. He'll be good at what he's good at for a long time, right? Yeah, like it'll be it's, fine. It's just he's not good at everything. No. No, he's not. But, you know, sometimes uh, people, they get they get nervous. They put they put a bunch of money down on a baseball player and it doesn't work the way they want. And then they're like, oh, no, can't do that again. I just don't think the swing change, like swing changes just are not as easy to enact as people assume. Like, I just don't think if you look at Hosmer and like Jason Hayward swing, that's just the way they, they have to load it up. It just is not tweakable. There's like a lot going on there. They have to really get things, you know, like it takes a while to reach 88 miles per hour. You can't just do it. Right. You have to start from zero. Yeah. And I just think it, you know, so I think that situation was destined to fail from the very beginning. But yeah, like uh, he still does a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Well, let's think about college baseball now. Having thought about the Padres. (laughs) What? So like you have not watched college baseball before last weekend, like a whole lot. I know you were watching postseason stuff last year. Yeah. So I've watched, I've watched college world series baseball. So that I should clarify. And I've seen, like I've watched, UW games in person, but I just, it has never been like a, I don't know. I just missed, I missed it. I missed the getting hyped about it, which considering that I'm friends with Michael Bauman is, I guess, pretty uh, bizarre given his propensity for the sport. But yeah, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this. I watched the Arkansas Razorbacks kick the crap out of Eastern Illinois Eric, yeah. I'm, here to t- I'm here to tell you that Eastern Illinois does not strike me as a, a very good college baseball program. That's correct. I am a very good college baseball analyst. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's just like college football for a lot of these teams. Yep. Where it's like, let's bring in this cupcake to start things off just to sure. sort of, you know, dip our toes in the water before we play anybody for real. And yeah, so I forget who, I don't even remember who Arizona played this weekend. They they played a team like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that happens a lot. It, <laughs> and Arkansas uh, is very good. Yeah, and it looked it looked very cold there. Uh, everyone was bundled up. I think the the temperature was like in the low forties. And I had a I had a nice little moment of Fangraphs overlap because I was watching Arkansas because you were like, hey, I like the position players on this team, so I'm, like, oh, I'm gonna watch them because Eric says they're good. And I watched Heston Kierstad. Am mm-hmm. I saying that right? Yep. Clear. Clear the bullpen with a home run. Yeah. And I was like, who's this guy? He hit that ball very far. Uh, Eastern Illinois seems bad, but he still really put a charge in that. And I went to the board, and there he was. <laughs> there he was on our MLB draft board for the 2020 draft, 12th overall. While I was uh, being like periodically antisocial at our Fangraphs meetup in Denver, that he is the guy I was watching on TV. <laughs> Like just sort of staring up at the TV, so I didn't have to like talk to anybody for five or ten minutes here and there. And yeah, like that was so he was going nuts during uh during that series as well. That was like late last year. Yeah. So yeah, he is very good. He and then like little Casey Martin on their infield. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, they're both very excellent. All the SEC schools are really just a cut above in almost every regard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason the Twins pulled Arkansas's pitching coach right from, you know, the campus and, and stuck him right in the big league dugout. Yeah. Um, they're just like eons ahead of the stuff that I have seen firsthand. Like Arizona State is this monster D1 athletic program with like unlimited funds and is just like so far behind even some of the smaller Arizona programs. And just like SEC baseball really is – really excellent and it's it's nice that you know people if they're so inclined get to like watch it on tv yeah i was i was uh i was pleased with how how many games were available i didn't expect it to be i mean it wasn't everything and there were times where i was like why is it more of this uh mlb tournament being broadcast on mlb yeah. network they're like re-airing the rookie feel like I should be watching actual baseball, <laughs> but I, I was quite pleased with how, how much was available. Those, as I said, some of it was quite bad, Yeah, but it was on in the background. So that was nice. The MLB tournament is, they did it last year in Houston, I think, you know, where they just pull four really good college programs together and do like, you know, an opening weekend tournament. Mm -hmm. And this year they brought it to Arizona. And so like typically my first couple weekends in Arizona are almost always the same. Like there are a handful of prospects on colleges that come down that I have to see, but I spend most of my time in the West Valley because Oregon State is always there for the first two weeks of the year. Mm -hmm. And they have always had a bunch of guys uh, since I've lived here. And this year, you know, like Adley Rutschman, who's number one on our draft board for this year, was 45 minutes from my house. And like, I just had no interest in seeing him because there was just so much else, like other stuff going on. Uh, and so, yeah, like I went to that MLB four tournament that they broadcast the Friday night game of, and I spent a lot of time there. I was like at three games a day, every day for like three or four days. And it was really great. And I don't know, like it was, the weather here was weird too. We had hail yesterday. What? Uh, yeah, we had hail while I was at the Cal BYU game at the Angels spring training stadium, which wow. was going on while Angels spring training had begun on the backfields down uh, beneath the parking lot. You remember from last year when we yeah. went to see Otani. So like I parked my car and like, I don't know who was taking BP, but they were the people were trying to catch BP home runs like near my car. So I was kind of nervous about that. <laughs> and then it started to hail while BYU senior outfielder Brock Hale was hitting. Delightful. Uh, so that was great. <laughs> and yeah, like I watched, it was freezing cold and I was watching Andrew Vaughn who might go in the top 10 is like, you know, this right, right power hitting first baseman who just keeps performing and we hate that profile, but he, this guy does it. So we're fine with it. Yeah. And so, like, that was how I wrapped, uh, you know, a, a weird weekend. But there was a lot of talent. There was a guy from Ball State who was touching 97 and, like, carved up Stanford hitters for six innings. And Brandon Beck, whose brother was drafted by, uh, gosh, I forget who drafted his brother last year. But, um, oh, Atlanta. But he outpitched that guy sitting, like, 87, 89, uh, just because he has great command. And so that was like a pleasant surprise. Those guys are 2020 draft eligibles uh, who I just like ran into because I, that Friday night game you were watching was terrible mm -hmm. and I bailed on that game midway through. Yeah, it was not uh, good. And then the two high profile high schoolers from last year's draft who did not sign, Mike Vassell at Virginia and Kumar Rocker at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. um, like Vassell was so exciting last year. 
like up to 96 and then he got hurt and then he came back and everyone rushed in to see him very quickly before the draft to see where he was at and he was good again and then he was like yeah don't draft me i'm gonna go to school he was like 88 92 <laughs> and uh, an agm was like yeah he's looks like he's put on like 15 pounds of bad weight so not the best so that's not great Retro. and then kumar rocker's first pitch was 97 and I was like, oh, no, here we go. This is very exciting. And then he got shelled and didn't get out of the second inning. So, like, who knows how these things will go for over three years Yeah. when they go all sorts of directions just over the course of four outs. But, yeah, college baseball is great. And, you know, just at this point of the year, right, like, we're just looking to see if anyone looks a whole lot different than we expect yeah. for, for this year's draft. You know, it's just kind of assessing where we had guys before the season and then where they belong Kylie saw a, a guy at West Virginia who like immediately we're going to move like up into the top 25 on the board. Like he just belongs. If you just line his stuff up with Jackson Rutledge, his junior college arm, who was like 94, 97 with a plus this and that, like it's exactly the same. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're exactly the same. They belong right next to each other or very close to each other on the board. So like these are the sorts of things that we're just, you know, refining and making sure that if someone is throwing much harder or, you know, a, TCU had a uh, community college transfer uh, at second base hitting third. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know who that guy is until I see him, but he's hitting third for TCU. He plays the, the middle infield. He was like the conference player of the year at junior college last year. Like, That's someone you should know probably. Right. He's someone who I need to spend some time focusing on. Right. And like, those are the sorts of things that we spent this weekend doing. Yeah. And it's it was just fun to get out of the house and do it. <laughs> Uh, especially after prospect week when there was a lot of uh there was a lot of sitting at the desk yes. a lot yeah it it felt it felt good to watch baseball and then on saturday because i was not in arizona watching baseball it felt good to leave my house and uh see other humans uh, yeah. And talk to them about stuff that wasn't baseball for a hot second, although they were, you know, baseball adjacent. So we ended up talking about baseball anyway. Cause of course. It's all ever. You can't help it. No. What did you guys, what does Seattle even do with all that snow? Because oh, yeah. like your street, I've been on your street. Yeah. It's, it's not a plowable street. No, <laughs> no. I, uh, I, well, to share with our listening audience. So my roommate is from the Midwest and is a lovely human being for a lot of reasons. But when you couple uh, Brooke being a lovely human being with the fact that she is a Midwesterner, you know, our our sidewalk and front walk was shoveled very early in the day because I, you know, I get up pretty early and Brooke had beat me outside to, <laughs> to shovel and salt. Uh, but a lot of people just fell down. People are just falling down constantly because Seattleites don't know what to do. Some of them don't have, like, the, they don't have snow shovels. They don't have, you know, kitty, I mean, I guess people have kitty litter, but they don't have, like, rock salt to put down. Yeah. So, you know, it snowed and then it thawed a teeny tiny bit and then it froze again. And so people were just slip sliding all around. Uh, I did not wipe out. I was very proud of myself. Although the next day I then just managed to somehow fall out of my desk chair in my office. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> karma came for me in a, in a serious way there for being so sassy and superior and not having fallen down when I went to go shovel my, my mom's sidewalk. But it's melting now. Um, we have We have compounded dirty snow with just constant drizzle. So it's pretty gross. I'm pretty ready for spring training. This is always the worst month That's of coming. Seattle weather. Yeah. And like, all told, how much did you guys get, like, total accumulation? 
I think but over the course of the the week, probably probably about 18 inches. It was a lot. It was a lot of snow and it did not, you know, warm up really. So it didn't melt much and we just had accumulation. Luckily, as people who follow me on Twitter know, my, my furnace was out and luckily the guy came and fixed it an hour before the like really big Friday dump of snow no, that we got. Right. So we just blared the the heat all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> we exhibited a reckless disregard for our heating bill, but it was very nice to be cozy. But yeah, it did between between the snow and uh, us all being quite busy with Prospects Week in a way that we are, you know, very happy about, but in a way that was quite busy. It was very nice to have real baseball and then to also leave the house. Both of those things were good. So so this at this phase, you're like you said, you're looking for stuff that's different or guys you don't know. What's the next little bit like for you as a as a prospect writer and then for teams as they're starting to gear up mm. toward the draft, which feels ridiculous to talk about in February, but we'll be here in just like a very quick blink of an eye. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it will. Um, yeah, it's just going to be for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be the same kind of stuff. I will hang uh, here in Arizona for the most part. It's just Kylie and I have a list of, of guys who we want to see, but who don't necessarily come right into our crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a lot of amateur baseball on the college side passes through drivable distance for the both of us. Right. It's like Texas tech goes to play San Diego state in a couple weeks. It's so, like, I'm going to drive there and see, cause they have, you know, Josh Jung is like probably a first round bat. It's so, like, one of us has to see him. It's just easier for me to drive five hours and see him rather than have either of us fly to Lubbock to do sure. it. Um, so short of targeting guys like that, for those reasons, I'll just be here in Arizona and I'll occasionally like drive up to Vegas to see, you know, UNLV has a shortstop uh, who we think is going to go in the top 10 picks. So like, you know, I'll hit, I'll hit that once in a while. And that be, mostly, would that be Bryson Stott? Yes. yes. I'm looking at Bryson the, Stott. I'm looking at the board. Everyone yep. should look at the board. Yeah, Follow yeah. along at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is like a visual aid for these podcasts. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, so like it's mostly that stuff. And a lot of teams come through Arizona. I have the entire Pac-12 to see at some point because teams either come to ASU or go to U of A. So sure. you know, I can see everybody within an hour and a half of my house that is a Pac-12 prospect of note. So I will be doing a lot of that. And then high school ball will start up and I'll do you know the same stuff sort of applies uh, for the next several weeks to uh, you know months. And then of course, like minor league spring training will start. I think when you know the entire Fangraphs crew comes down in a couple of weeks, the minor leaguers will have just officially reported and will still be a few days shy of, you know, some of the 40 man prospects and non-roster invitees will play uh, before that. But like for minor league spring training to really get going, it's still going to be a couple weeks. So I don't have to worry about that stuff just yet. Right. I'll go to the odd big league spring training game. Like I'll go to Goodyear because there's not a lot of people like I can go sit in the scout section at of Reds spring training game, but not at a Cubs spring training game. No. And it's just good to calibrate my eyeballs for big league stuff. Yeah. Um, and talent in the meantime, while I have the opportunity to do that. Like, so that's the sort of stuff that I'm going to be doing. And while we finish the rest of the team lists, which like now that the, 
all the 50 future value guys and up are done, like the top tier of every remaining team list is done. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, the high profile aspect of the work is complete. And now it's just about writing excessive amounts of words about sleepers and, <laughs> and teenagers that I really like, which is like my favorite part of it. So that's fine. I support your completest impulse and think it is useful. So there you go. That's good. I'm glad I have someone on the staff enabling me for once. <laughs> Carson uh, would just be like, um, so they're not uh, all going to be this long, right? And I'd say, well, well, no, not all of them, but I mean, like most of them. I think that, you know, if every list we did was as long as, say, the raise list, you know, that, that might be a lot. Yeah. We, we might think that that was perhaps too much. Uh, but they're not all that long, and uh, you know, for all the for all the ones that we do uh, going forward, you you will be dangerously enabled by Sean Dolinar's lovely "Too Long Didn't mm. Read" feature uh, for those who are quite busy and need their prospect news on the go. They can just read a, a quick little blurb, and uh, and that'll be that. So uh, it's very dangerous. The technology he's built may kill us all, but in the meantime, uh, we will have very good complete lists, and I, I like being able to say that. What a nice thing to be able to say about our prospect coverage. It's pretty great, in my opinion. So there you go. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tr- I'll try not to kill you <laughs> just because we just can't afford, like, we have to stop the editor bleeding at some point. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I'm trying to balance it for everyone's well-being <laughs> just like i'm sure kylie is you know will stop coming up with <laughs> new <laughs> new businesses. businesses i don't know about that i think that entrepreneurial spirit might be too might be too strong to kill i don't know if we could i don't know that we especially want to but i don't think we could even if we did don't think it's possible yeah uh, i'm not sure kylie is made of organic material that like dies <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so I guess we'll find out, though. Yeah, I, I think that we will. As he doesn't age yeah. <laughs> suspiciously. Yeah, we'll look around and be like, we all look very tired, and Kylie looks very well-rested. I don't know what to say about that. His skin sparkles in the sunlight. <laughs> Can I tell you some more things that I noticed from college baseball? Yeah, I want to hear more about this stuff, because like, uh, <laughs> it does sort of wash over me at some point, because it is... You were right. It was funny. The first thing you noticed is, hey, this is bad baseball. Because it's true, but my bar for that is so much lower than most people's bars. Like, if you get pissed at baseball players for being bad, it takes a lot. And it isn't, it wasn't even being pissed, to be clear. Like, and it it was not objectively bad baseball. Well, some of it was objectively bad baseball. I'm going to take that right back. But some of it was, you know, it was fine. It was certainly, certainly better than anything that I could muster. So let's be real clear about that. But, you know, it's just like the, you notice it in the fielding. Some of the fielding is very sloppy. The play discipline is often lacking. And they're and they're little, you know. They're just l- little dudes. Some of them are little, except for all of the pitchers who look thirty-five. So that part is very strange. I will say, I will say that uh, I don't recall who who this was, and you know that's probably for the best, candidly, because you know 
it isn't a thing that I would be proud of or want other people to notice, but I was watching uh, on Friday before that Vandy game started, there was a gentleman who was for, uh, you know, on Long Beach State and his fly was down during his at bat that I watched. And I just wanted, I wanted to hug a stranger in that way that I sometimes do when people are like being embarrassed but don't realize it. Yeah. But then he promptly struck out looking. So I think someone in the dugout was probably like, hey, buddy, like flies down. <laughs> so I think it probably resolved for him after that. But then the Vandy game started and I didn't, I didn't go back to check in again. So who knows? He may have embarrassed himself the whole rest of the game. Don't know. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the most embarrassing moment I witnessed over the weekend. And I mean, there were several, you know, routine fly balls that I saw that just were dropped. Yeah. So, like, that's the sort of thing that does happen. Like, routine plays in college baseball are not a given. Yeah. I don't know. It was because most of the programs I watched were, like, high-end D1, you know, Stanford and Vanderbilt and stuff. Like, the, right. those instances are few and far between. But yeah, the old the old fly is down is is a new one for me. That's not something that you get to see from the scout section. Like the broadcast is better for seeing some of the stuff that you especially like, I think. <laughs> um, and then and then I have oh. to grapple with like why am I why do I notice this though? <laughs> there was one very obnoxious Stanford fan oh, no. that was at the the Stanford games who brought his dog like a little lasso opso or something like that you know like one of those oh, types of dogs nightmare uh and he had like you know the a sean mcveigh-esque haircut oh cool uh which i know that you're very fond of except like in the front <laughs> in the front like there was a lot more going on like it was there was more length up front Ooh. and it was up and so he was just constantly chattering in like a mostly empty stadium at these preseason tournaments. It's mostly kids' parents who are there. It's not yeah. like the TCU fan section that would go to games on campuses has all traveled to Arizona. It's not like that. Sure. Uh, so it is very quiet baseball despite, you know, the level of prestige. Uh, so like this guy could be heard throughout the entire stadium, constantly yelling at the umpires and like, you know, in a way that is, Ironically funny because he, the guy is clearly kind of a dope about, you know, baseball specific stuff that he is talking about. Sure. You know, yelling good arm action really loud at like he was doing this. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. And then, you know, he was talking to his dog under his breath between pitches and stuff. So that was happening. And then at some point, one of the security guards at the Angels Stadium and they're like, you know, they're all old retired people who yep. – you know, they're just, this is what they're, they're doing now. Like you get there, get to watch baseball <laughs> right. and be retired. It's awesome. Yeah. But occasionally they also have to do a thing. Right. And so I guess probably one of the parents from the other team like complained. And so he went over to the guy and was like, you know, sir, would you mind doing this? And the guy very loudly was retorting. My cheering is only positive. And like Peter Angelos is a friend of mine, by the way. And like <laughs> this type or Artie, no, Artie Moreno or whoever oh, the, whoever the angels owner is. Uh, whatever, but yeah, so it was like one of those types of guys who he gave the security guard his name, which was a mistake. Oh, uh, he, he, because then I found him on Twitter. Sure. And like, I won't give you folks the guy's name. I'm really sorry. I will give it to Meg off the air. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so like now I have the guy's Twitter and like Zach Granke, strangely was at a bunch of college games this weekend. Oh, interesting. Even Granke thought this guy was like hilariously weird. <laughs> Uh, so like that kind of tells you what level we're talking about. Yeah, geez. 
Larry is his first name. Larry. Yeah. Classic Larry. So I hope to see that guy again, Stanford. I will see Stanford again at some point this year. Sure. They, they come to ASU. And so I'm assuming this guy, because uh, I was speaking with like the Stanford media person about Larry. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that guy is I guess, at all our games. <laughs> so, and then someone told me a story about like a Fullerton fan who they banned from Fullerton home games because what? of how obnoxious he was. But he still follows the team on the road. Like he cannot take a hint, oh, which seems man. to be a male trait. Wow. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like uh, on-field stuff was pretty generic this weekend, but like this guy, he was in the middle of the scout section doing all this stuff. Like there was a dog and 45 radar guns at Eric Miller's start on Sunday. That's wild. Uh, Yeah. And like this guy. So Larry, if you're listening, like. Cool it, man. Yeah. Just chill out. Yeah. Just dial dial it down to like seven instead of being up around 12. Like just adjust it down. I did notice uh, in, in watching that. Friday night Vandy start. It's like, oh, here are all the parents, and there's mm-hmm. a, a pro director, and I know that guy. <laughs> and it is a funny, you know, they're sparse, and so you actually notice the the team personnel that's in attendance. Uh, they do stand out uh, on broadcasts. Yeah, that's the fun thing that Kylie and I like to do too. Is like scout the scouts because yeah. it helps with our mock draft. Sure. It's probably too early for yeah. that kind of thing, but like, yeah, like, and I'll probably talk about this on the pot i do with kylie too but like who did you all recognize at the that vandy game well i'm pretty sure that tom allison was there yeah this seattle had a lot of people there yeah and there Um, were some folks from their baseball ops department who i know who were in attendance their mistake for sitting in uh the center field camera shot yeah i Um, i texted a a buddy of mine who works for the team and i was like hey you look great on mlb network (laughs) he's like oh i gotta get off my phone uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the thing that happens too. Uh, yeah, Rick Hahn was there. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the D-backs had a lot of folks yeah. there because it was at their spring training facility. So like they were all just there anyway. Sure. Um, God, I love that ballpark so much. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. It's one of my, one of my favorites. It was astounding that I could notice any team personnel there over the Vandy uniforms, which are terrible. Andy, get on that. Got to fix it. The black with the white pinstripes. Yeah, is, it's bold. I don't enjoy it. I'm with you. Yeah, it is not 30s. to my taste. Yeah. Pajama-ish is how I describe them to you. Yeah. 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 They do the weird like military thing too where they totally go outside the team colors and they wear like the navy blue tops with like red and white. Oh. Hmm. Letters doesn't really. Yeah. No. That's a choice. That's an active choice to make. Yeah. I think the other big thing I noticed, you know, you know that I am a person who pays a lot of attention to pitch framing, wildly variable receiving in terms of quality, which is not surprising given what we know about catchers and their development. But, oh, boy, can you really see it? Some loud hands, very loud hands. So this is <laughs> what I submit to you is where there there's a huge gap between – the in-office personnel that I speak with and the scouts I speak with about how they view catcher defense. Mm-hmm. Like there are people who are really smart in the office who are just like, yeah, I don't really think like if the framing is good, then like the receiving and the way those two things differ, like I really don't care. You know, like they're the people who think Yasmani Grandal, what he does is fine because like it has been proven. Right. This guy frames well, but you can see that he has issues just competently catching the ball at yep. other times. So, like, that's someone who 
there's a huge gap in like what scouts think and what front office people think, uh, like analysts think about catcher defense. And I just submit that it is because scouts are subject to this level of catcher defense more often. Like, yeah, this is a constant issue for scouts just being able to literally catch a quality breaking ball in your mitt and not let it fall out. Yeah. Uh, and risk, you know, the umpires just don't call strikes as often if you drop the ball. Yeah. So that's a, just a much more significant issue for scouts at the lower levels of the minors and on the amateur side than it is when your baseline for what a good receiver is, is like the worst receiver in the big leagues. Like that guy has already checked so many more boxes than right. the average division one receiver even. Yeah. That it's like, there's a huge gap in perception there and, and, and perspective yeah um so yeah it's it's interesting that you noted that too and and very you know just very jerky framing when Mm. when the ball was framed at all so i was like oh boy this would this would make me very frustrated as a person whose you know level has been set as you said like even the worst the worst at it in the bigs is significantly better than you know i shouldn't be mean these were like 19 year olds (laughs) who aren't being paid so it's fine guys are all doing great but it was i was like oh oh my (laughs) this is a skill i like and i don't like this version of it it is not to my taste much like the vandy uniforms well when i try to drag the entire staff to a college game while they're all down here then i'll i'll make sure to, to try to keep all of these different things in mind i think ultimately i was looking and i mean we'll have to decide between as going to asu and xavier Although I think – no, I think we might just end up going to Grand Canyon because that's an afternoon game. Yeah. Like it'll fit in. So we might – there might be a uh, a non-fan parent contingent of people at like the Grand Canyon University baseball game. People are going to be so confused. Yeah, it's going to be weird. <laughs> it's going to be weird. I hope they have all the seats in now. They did not. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I went to a junior – there was a junior college game there earlier this year and like all the seats were not yet installed. So Oh, dear. A bunch of us were just sitting on concrete, concrete brown. <laughs> Watch. Yeah, going going back to school in a number of different ways. Were you sitting crisscross applesauce while you sat there and watched? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that like doing that makes you feel childish. Yeah. So yeah, I did initially take that position because it's like there's a reason that you do it. It's comfortable. Yeah. But then I was just like, yeah, maybe none of the other none of the other guys are doing it, so they probably like look more cool. So. <laughs> Like stick one of these out or something, and I don't know. But yeah, people should go to college. If you've got college baseball within driving distance, like go check it out. Yeah. Even if it's there's probably going to be something going on, you know. Like, and you can bug Kylie and I on Twitter about, hey, I live near whatever it is, like Richmond University or something. Like, who comes through? Yeah. And if there's not someone on the board, you know, you cro- always cross reference someone's schedule with schools on the board and just go. Yeah. And you'll see scouts there, and like it's fun. Well, and I think people would be surprised, you know, as with all aspects of college athletics, I mean, there's there's variation here, but it's like some of those facilities are really nice. Like it's a fun, it's a fun vibe. It's a very different kind of vibe than any other baseball you'll watch. Yeah. So it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, I don't know, like the University of Washington's ballpark is right on Lake Washington. And so it's gorgeous. It's often freezing for the first, you know, bit of the season because it's Seattle in, you know, February and March. But if you just are bundled up and prepared to be a little bit cold, it's gorgeous. 
Well, that's good because I'm pretty sure looking at their schedule that like we're going to send you to <laughs> maybe take video slash yeah. like peek at some velos late in the year. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, I'll be your boots on the ground. Force you to do more work. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, what What else am I going to do? Yeah. Sho- shovel snow, watch baseball. Yeah. Well, you don't do anything. No. Try Try to stay warm. <laughs> It'll be nice to leave my office. That was a, a thought that I had during the snowstorm because, of course, you know, many people who have normal jobs, jobs that are less cool than our jobs, because our jobs are pretty rad, but they had this on me, which is that they actually got snow days, you know, uh, it snowed and Seattle is all hills. And so a lot of people just were not able to go to work. And I think, you know, worked from home. I'm doing air quotes, which is great for podcasting. Uh, but I just sat here as I as I do and ran fangrass. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. I felt like, oh, I have I have a reason to be sitting inside all day. This is fine. <laughs> I'm excused from my usual behavior as a result of the snow. <laughs> yeah, Mother Nature can enable our. Uh, I don't think it's introversion. No, I'm not sure what it is. It's hard to describe, but yeah, I experienced that too. Yeah. It's good. We should we should really I mean, Kylie does it to a level that I just could not. It just sounds exhausting, like the just the raw number of like first dates he goes on at teams. <laughs> like he doesn't explicitly talk about it, but like I'm an excellent deductive reasoner and just like no. That when he just disappears between, you know, the hours like for a late dinner, that yep. like what is going on. Yeah. I think um, we can we can take educated guesses. But uh so I have no interest in doing that. But well, it would be a little odd if you were interested in going on first dates. Yeah, that's Eric. true. <laughs> but like more, just being out. Yeah, out I live more... in a college town, so yeah. I mean, uh, I I have witnessed I have witnessed the behavior of college kids out on the town in downtown Tempe, and it is uh, it is entertaining. But also at times you do worry about those children who are so obviously drunk, you know, and clearly underage. <laughs> was that you who was with us while that, that girl was driving? Throwing, yeah, throwing yeah, up okay. on the sidewalk. Yeah, I was with you Her guys. friend was really good about yeah. holding her hair. Yeah, she had a good pal. She, yeah. you know, people were looking out for her, which is why we felt comfortable continuing to walk by. She was tended to, you know, she yeah. was not in danger of falling into the street or or anything. I think, you know, someone was there to make sure she got home okay, which is good. Always have a friend when you're going out. But uh uh yeah, it the the college town thing can inspire uh social activity, but also make you very grateful to be uh, around adults in a place that is not the central downtown. I can't wait to go back. <laughs> I'm gonna drag you there again. It is very good people watching and we know that yeah. I enjoy that very much so when i was a teaching assistant at the university of wisconsin when i was in grad school the most uncomfortable thing was running into students while they were you know out about town being reckless being miscreants and then just hoping that they were actually perhaps at the point in their intoxication when they would not remember running into me and then feeling embarrassed when they had you know when they had section that week (laughs) it's like oh tyler I bet you felt bad on Sunday. It didn't look good Saturday night. <laughs> I hope. I wonder how the, this paper is going to be. Well, well, I already know the answer to yeah. this, Tyler. <laughs> I saw you over the weekend. Yeah. Well, 
We will be in Arizona. There can be lots of people watching. People should come to our meetup. You will probably miss the first little bit because uh, we have very rudely scheduled it for part of uh, a Friday night start. So when Kylie and Eric roll in a little bit later, you can blame me. It's my fault. I counter scheduled them. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was probably going to be Kylie's move anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes, he has informed me that he expects the uh, the reggaeton horns when okay. the two of you arrive. So you are welcome to slip in the back if you would prefer to not participate in that. I might uh, pull a fast one and just be there on time because Xavier plays Grand Canyon the next weekend. Oh. So like I could just see their Friday night guy the next weekend. Oh, boy. But I'm pretty sure Kylie's going to want to see him. So yeah, he'll that be makes late. Sense. But I might just be there. But don't tell anyone. Okay, we'll keep it a secret. Like, oh, I can't be here yet. <laughs> He's got that game, so it must not be any of these people who are already here. <laughs> one of these days, I am going to make people wear name tags at one of our events, but I don't know that it will be while we're in Arizona. But people should definitely come and hang out with us on Friday, March 8th, if they are in uh, the greater Phoenix area for spring training, because we will be there at some point at the Two Brothers Scottsdale Tap House and Brewery. In Scottsdale, shockingly, uh, and you can uh, come hang out with Fangrass folks. And I have I have been informed that some uh, Fangrass alums may even stop by oh. and make a brief appearance. Although we will not promise their participation, so uh, you can come and, and see how team life has changed them, perhaps. But yeah, Eric, we're coming up on an hour, and I feel like I have to go edit things so that words are up on Fangrass.com. But okay. But this was nice. <laughs> I think I probably should write some of those words. That'd be that'd be good if you feel like it. If it strikes your fancy, people want to hear more uh, in-depth college baseball takes. So you oh, know that's what the that's what it is. <laughs> well, it's so nice how these things work out. But also, in addition to our Fangraphs meetup, people should go back if they have not had a chance and look at all of the really great work that went up during Prospects Week. It is very easy to find on the homepage. So. Check that stuff out. What was your favorite piece that you participated in for Prospects Week, Eric? Oh, I like to do the picks the click because yeah. it really is just like a, the guys I like list. Yeah. And so that was fun. And then I like that we imposed a, like a subset of rules to kind of – well, we had to once. We made our first pass and there were like 80 names. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, this is too many. Um, so that was good. I don't know. They're all like – they're not like my word children, but – the junior college thing was fun too because there was like intri like industry intrigue. <laughs> Not everybody in baseball knew that this particular type of contract that junior colleges and MLB teams can like partner in where uh, teams pay for a TrackMan unit to be installed and have exclusive access to the data that comes from it. Like people in baseball didn't know that that was a thing. Wow. And so I didn't know they didn't know. I thought that they all did. And now we and know. And I was just telling readers, but yeah, like I got a lot of people were like, what teams do you know have, have these and that? And I'm like, well, the Cubs have this one and the Yankees have that one, but we're not allowed to say. And the Braves would be really mad if we told them that they had this one. So, um, so we, we didn't, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, so that's, that was fun. I yeah. guess best part of it was like, it took a while before the adrenaline wore off, mm -hmm. but once it did and it felt like we had finished the thing. That was the best part. And so, like, I'm slowly approaching that feeling. Yeah. But it's – I can feel it coming. Yeah. I mean, the two of you wrote a book, basically, in a week's time. That's pretty impressive. 
I have a thing to tell you about that after we're done recording, too. <laughs> oh, boy. All kinds of scoops. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, people should go read all the prospect words. And if they are reading the top 100 and they're like, wow, this is a lot of prospect words, we know. And you can just uh, toggle on over to the too long didn't read and then peruse the longer blurbs at your leisure. You can sort by team, by position. It's wonderful. So people should do that. People should follow Eric on Twitter and also the Prospect account, the Fangraphs Prospects account. What is the handle for the Fangraphs Prospects account? I never remember this. It's just FG underscore prospects. It's just where, you know, if something gets updated, if we put new video online mm-hmm. or like change something on the board, like that's where we tell you. Yeah. And like other, we tweet other interesting factoids from there once in a while. And it's just a thing that we hope to grow. So get in on the ground floor of that. Yeah. And especially useful as uh, college baseball is picking up and videos get updated and all kinds of good jazz. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, Eric, thank you for joining me. We will have you on again soon. And people should also listen to your podcast. I'm just going to keep plugging things until uh, we have to stop recording. But yeah, go listen to Kylie and Eric. Season two of the Untitled McDonganhagen Project. At some point, we're just going to have to call it that because it's clearly its name uh, has has commenced. So listen to yeah. their, uh, you know, their takes and uh, Eric's heavy size, uh, Kylie Salinas. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, friend. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Anytime.